movies are dead. Movies are dead. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Movies Are Dead, episode two. This week, we will be talking about... Mikey and Nikki. Mikey and Nikki. We are your hosts, Nick. Boris. Boricua. Boris. All right. Cool. All right. So, yeah, this week we're talking about Mikey and Nikki, directed by... Elaine May. Elaine May, yes, starring uh, John Cassavetes and Peter Falk. So, what do I think? What do you think? Come it on. is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. Movie. Um, I saw the remastered version. <laughs> Sorry. <I> mean, <laughs> anyway, I just love this movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> I love this movie. I think it's. Um, you can't really classify it as a thriller or a drama or a comedy. I yeah. think it's a very... What Elaine May tried to do with this movie is that it's trying to be very reflective of what life is actually like. Like, No, I agree. It yeah. can feed into comedy, it can feed into drama. Yeah. And it can't really be defined as one thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. So if you guys have not seen Mikey and Nikki, it can be found on, currently at the moment on Criterion Channel and Amazon Prime. And Canopy, if you have that account as well. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, it has so many, like, themes. It's, like, so many genres in one, right? So it's, like, thriller, comedy. Even I, I would even say, like, a buddy journey movie. Almost has, like, sort almost of. has, like, a buddy cop feel to it. It's, like, the first Judd Apatow movie. <laughs> if you really think about it. I guess so, yeah. You know, it's a couple of guys that haven't grown up yet. They're middle-aged. They're horny. They I guess fight, so. they, they fight, they break up, <laughs> at the end they get together again. They get together again. It and is, yeah. Wow, I didn't even think of that when watching it, but... I couldn't stop thinking, Elaine May is such a bro to make this movie. It is a very masculine movie from... It's weird, I didn't really think about that, but the... Like, her being a woman, like the way she views like male relationships and the dynamics, it's pretty spot on. It doesn't. It feels real, like the relationship between them. What's the matter? Is my face dirty? You were sitting in that bar for 45 minutes. You never once thought about calling your wife. Never once thought about calling Annie. <laughs> All of a sudden, you got to call Annie. I got a terrific suggestion for you, Nick. I suggest you find somebody you can trust. I don't know, I couldn't help but think, like, this was after Mean Streets, I assume, right? Yeah, it's three years after. I, it was actually shot the same year, but because Elaine May had all these problems with the, the studio. Oh, They come out three years later. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, the two leads in it, Cassavetes and Falk, are just insanely good. Like, I, I, I think that's, like, for the time, that's, like, quintessential New York acting, right? Definitely. Especially Cassavetes, the way he's like, as uh, the title character, Nikki, he's very, he's just insane. Like that opening shot of him in the hotel room, like buried deep in like fear and like paranoia. Mm. And he's like, uh, like just scanning the newspaper and it says like local booking dead or something like that. And you could really feel it like he's in the room, shades are drawn, lights are off, he has a pistol, right? I wanted this movie to be one thing. And then it turns into another thing. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. What did you think it was going to be at first? Oh, just like a, like, you know, it says in the, <laughs> the title description, like a mm -hmm. nocturnal odyssey. Mm -hmm. And it is a nocturnal odyssey, 
but somewhere between the hours of like 1 and 4 a.m. during the movie, it turns into this like loving, beautiful relationship movie. Yeah. Between the two characters. Um, like, yeah, like Peter Falk's character, he was my favorite, I would say. Peter Falk um, is always great. What? So, like, Peter Falk, okay, where's he from? Where's he from? What, what, what yeah. else? I would say New York. Seems like that. East right, Coast I know he's from there, but like, what, what else is he in? Oh, so much. I mean, Columbo is his trademark. Right. <laughs> okay, so, uh. I, yes. So that's why I recognized him from. Mm. So um, I recognized the DVD, like, there's a DVD box that I've seen. Yeah. With, like, I was like, is this the same dude from Columbo? Sure is. And I was like, that's his face. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Peter Falk's face for a second. That's what I want to talk about, by the way. This was a big thing of mine that I thought of while watching the movie, is that mm-hmm. too many actors... They just think, oh, I'm sort of pretty. I should act. Yeah. I say, what the fuck, man? <laughs> That's stupid. You're just sort of slightly attractive, so you think you can be an actor? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe you'll wind up in I a could, CW or I something. I picture the faces in your brain as you say this right now. I know who you're talking about and who you're talking to. Okay. Do you? <laughs> I don't know what, what do you think of picture? What? What do you think I'm picturing? I'm not gonna name names here. I don't think it's really anything anybody I know. I think it's just a general thing where someone thinks, "Oh, I'm attractive. I should be an Therefore, actor." Therefore, I should. Yeah. But if you don't feel the actual calling to be an actor, you're just mm-hmm. gonna be in it for the fame and wind up being mediocre your entire career. Even if you're successful, there's a lot of people like that. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you you oh, you're from LA. Uh, I've been to LA, uh, and you can just. I'm picturing so many faces yeah. I have seen in acting classes. Just like taken. making protein shakes, oh, God, going to the gym, stop. living in tech dog houses. Yes. And just, it's gross. I mean, you just don't need to do it just because you're sort of attractive. You and like Peter Falk's the opposite of that. Yeah. You look at his face and you're like, if you look at it spot on, straight ahead, you're probably like, oh my God, is he okay? What ha- how did he get this face? Immediately, yeah. I was thinking, like, how do you get this face? Who did he fight to earn these, like, <laughs> right. stripes Has of, history. like, history yeah. of his face? So if you look at it, it's like, there's, it's literally two sides. It feels like they, they cut someone in half, cut two people in half, and put two faces together. I don't know how to describe it. That's a good description. One half, like, <laughs> it looks like a bulldog, like, ready to pounce and eat you, and the other is, like, this loving, genuine, beautiful... I don't know, like, loving person. Yeah, I mean, give me a Peter Falk or any actor who's been acclaimed and gotten Oscars over the past 20 years. Yeah. And John Cassavetes, too, I mean, he's not necessarily unattractive, he just looks like a regular guy. He, he looks like an insurance, like, salesman or something. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, he just looks like a dad. He looks like, like a dad. Yeah. No, he does. And both of them, the way they play off each other, especially in that opening scene... Where he has to shave. He's like, What are you doing? You're in here with the shades drawn. He's like, Shave, look at your face. You're, you're all hairy. And, yeah. Um, the, way he, the way Peter Falk talks. It's just the, the, these actors always let themselves be unglamorous and real. Yeah. And you can tell that their agents in, like, trying to negotiate them always being lit on the right side with, like, perfect makeup and costuming. And yeah. just, it's like, I admire that much more than anything we're getting now for the most part. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, Peter Falk, also Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty with a lot of, of hair. Guys. With a lot of hair. Yeah. Isn't that 
that do he had in the movie. I really liked his hairdo. And yeah, this is this is after Deliverance, I think, right? Yes, a couple of years after. A couple of years after. This is the same year he did Network, I think. Okay. After he did Network. Yeah. So yeah, Ned Beatty as the assassin. There's also going to be spoilers in this. So um, Ned Beatty as the assassin. He was like this, like at first he comes off as this like cunning, sort of silent but deadly killer, and then somewhere in the third act he becomes very like. Almost once his boss is revealed, mm-hmm. he becomes sort of like, oh, he's just a hitman. He's kind of like not that smart. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's also just very funny. He's probably the funniest guy. So, yeah, there's a there's a weird dry humor to him. He can't find anywhere to park. He's worried about he's actually not making any money after expenses. <laughs> and they're like, did you go inside the theater? And he's like, oh, what? Like, they could have gone in the theater. I really don't think they're gonna they're gonna have a shootout in the theater, like, yeah. right? I mean, that's funny. Um, just the whole interplay of these guys, just like it's very life or death, but at the same time, it's very comical. There's a lot of humor here. There is a lot of humor. It's dark, very dark, even like literally very dark. But it's at the same time, it's funny because the whole our whole civilization, society, is absurd in a way that's it can't help but be funny. Yeah, especially like that bus scene. Yeah, I love that the scene. The bus driver. Um, he's like, you, you guys can't exit through the front doors. And Cassavetti's like, what do you mean? Just let us out. You're not going to let this guy on? There's yeah. like an old guy outside yeah. waiting out He's like, you're not going to let these two guys wait outside on? And the bus driver's like, I'm going to let them on, but you can't go through route the front doors. He's like, that doesn't make sense, right? Pretty much it, it gets him in a headlock. Eventually. He gets the bus driver in a headlock, and during that scene, there's a ton of ADR. It's probably when they were filming it. It sounds like there was ADR in it, and because when they were filming it, you could hear like the audio cutting in and out, and you could hear like the, the wrestling of the of the bus driver and like his struck his <laughs> struggling to breathe. And I just like that exchange though. And like uh, John Cassavetes in that scene is just like insane. Like yeah. he really lets out. Like even leading up to it, he's like, "I'm gonna smoke a cigarette on the bus," and that old lady's like, "You can't smoke cigarettes on this bus." And then Peter Fox, like, he gives him the cigarette, almost knowing that Cassavetes is going to do what he's going to want to do. Yeah, he can't stop him. Yeah. So I like that. I, I like how he was just, he just sort of had, uh, Cassavetes had that, like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. He kind of knows that he's done. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's sort of like the last, his last hours to be alive. So <laughs> let him smoke this cigarette. Let him say F you to this lady, right? And another thing I know, since we're talking about faces, is uh-huh. the faces of the people back then. Yeah, much different. They just looked like terrible, the people. Yeah. Right? They led hard lives. Right? So oh, I was doing the math on some of these characters, and <laughs> like, okay, if they're like 40, that means they're like born in the 30s or in the Depression era. So, like, these people like saw like World War II. You know, they saw when New York was just. And New like York. we'll look like them eventually. Like in twenty years, are gonna have those kinds of faces. <laughs> like Peter Falk. Yeah, have a Peter Falk face, like looking up at nothing. Just yeah. Like... It's like lost, got like random wrinkles <laughs> and creases in your. Yeah, I mean, oh, we've man. been through hard times, haven't we? I like, I like when Peter Falk is just like staring into like nothing, and it's just like his eyes are drifting. Well, his character is very conflicted. Yeah, I would say. No, he is, yeah. He is. I, I, I liked I liked his character 
And it kind of like, spoiler alert, it kind of like broke my heart when you find out he's working yeah. with the dudes, you know, to take down Mickey. And, and it almost makes sense, but you don't want to believe it almost. I don't know how to well, I think it. Um, his reasoning, I don't know if he has reasoning, he just, they used to be best friends from back in the day since they were kids. They've known each other for years. Mm -hmm. But he feels like John Cassavetti's character moved on. Yeah, he's just like... Yeah, he, he made that waiter turned remark. Turned his back on him. Remember that waiter remark he yeah. said? He goes, hey, call the waiter back here. And that was directed to Peter Falk, who saw him at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. That's me. <laughs> it is me. <laughs> and when he brings it up, when Peter Falk brings it up after the scuffle in the middle of the street, Cassavetti's, ah, oh, I didn't mean it. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke, right? I was trying to try to impress the boss, mm -hmm. right? This and that. And Peter Falk's like, no, that hurt. Yeah. And it did. And that's part of the reason why how he's Let's helping the bosses take care of him. You know? It's so sad. I don't know. Yeah. Just the, the way the relationship works between those two. And, 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 you know, you can tell, like, Peter Falk loves John Cassavetti's in the movie. And he even brings up, like, like um, when your mom... When, whose mom died? Was it Cassavetti's mom died? He he spent the week with him. Right? Wasn't that his brother? It was his brother? Yeah, his little brother. When his little brother died, yeah. Yeah, he spent the week with him. And you could, like, recall oh, yeah, his mom, too, though. Mom they go to the cemetery, yeah. Peter Fox, like, apologizing yeah. to the tombstones. And I'm stepping over this, stepping over that. Cassavetti is just trudging along, going, like, where's he buried? Where's my berry? Where's, where's my mom berry? Yeah, it seems like John Cassavetti gets the absurdity of his situation, that he's going to be killed no matter of hours. Yeah. And he's facing <laughs> this absurdity we all, we all face eventually when we know we're about to die. Is that soon you're here, and then you're dead. Hey, Mike. You know what? <laughs> now that I'm here, I don't know what to do. My mom doesn't mind me laughing, do you, mom? Stop it, Nick. Let's talk about the bar scene. Yeah. Bar's bar. So I also want to talk Clock. about. You notice that these two men react with violence at the slightest inconvenience, or not even slightest inconvenience, but they just go up against society's made-up rules. No coffee. Just fill up a carton of cream. Can't do that. I don't have to charge it. Cream is for the coffee only. It's not for sale. Charge me for fifteen coffees and give me the cream. Fifteen coffees. That's right. Okay, you hear me or I'll kill you. Okay, because sorry. I'm crazy. Okay. Now give it to me. Yes, sir. Okay. Just give it to me. Okay. okay. The second bar scene after one that. One of my favorites. That's another one of my favorites. Yeah. Scenes. Oh, man. That was awesome. What'd you like about that scene? I like that there's a phone booth in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it used to old, be. Yeah, that's how old it was. And Peter Falk is talking to his wife. He's all like, tell the kid to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Write this down. And then the wife is like telling the kid, give me a Crayola. I gotta write this down. And meanwhile, while that's happening, Castavetis is talking to a young woman who happens to be African American. And they also happen to be in an Afri African American bar. Mm -hmm. But Peter Falk and Castavetis are white men, Italians, I assume. <laughs> and yeah. they're, you can already sense that they're not supposed to be there. They do not belong there at all. 
And Elaine May does a great job of doing like the cutaways to the characters staring at Cassavetes and Falk. And it's a, it's a real like sign of the times of how things used to be. And I know like there's still sections in certain cities where it's all segregated and everything, but yeah. you can really feel like the segregation between the characters and how much of an outcast they are. And Cassavetes gets them in hot water when he strikes up a conversation with a young lady. <laughs> mm. You know, he tries to buy her a beer, her boyfriend, her husband comes along. And he comes up to Cassavetes and he's like, yo, man, it's my old lady. And Cassavetes is like, yo, she's not old. And I'm just like, what? Oh, no. What are you doing? But then every time he, st- he steps into dog shit, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised that he stepped into dog shit. When I know he's going to step into dog shit regardless. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. I'm almost expecting... I, I expect him to create a disastrous situation, but deep, deep down inside, I don't want him to. Yeah. You know, I want him to sort of break away and actually get away. But like in the scene at the bar, Peter Falk breaks it up between, you know, uh, Cassavetes and like the bar people, you know, like the attendees and the patrons. And you can just feel the tension, how much like they almost died. Yeah. You know, because of, Cassavetes, and I think that's when Peter Falk kind of realizes, like, oh, this guy's he's a little he's a little crazy, you know? Yeah, well, um, I think the whole movie, and I, I don't know, there's no arcs here in this movie. Sorry. No, uh, there's not. Sorry, screenwriting goobers. Oh, God. You wrote it. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but the whole thing is just, it's just, it's the end point of, a, of their two lives building up in frustration mm-hmm. and anxiety and stress and suffering and builds up to this point where it just culminates. Yeah, it kind of reaches a point where it's like a boiling point and yeah. it's almost like this is the final night of their antics, especially for Cassavetti, who, by the way, I think if they were to make the Joker in the early 80s or late 70s, he would have been an amazing Joker, Cassavetti. He yeah. has that face, he has the laugh, he has the craziness to him. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Some guy. He was in a bar as an office. Beyond that, I mean, just the last scene is just heartbreaking. In the way that it's just the. A tragedy almost it's just like you feel you sort of want you desire that these two characters can sort of make up and be friends again but there's no way of that happening there's no way they can go back to the way it was before no you can't especially that last scene where Cassavetes is banging on the door mm-hmm. and Peter Falk's like you know pretty much pushes a, a sofa or a mini chair against the door. Him and his wife, Peter Falk and his wife. Yeah. In the movie, they put like a chair against the door that way Cassavetes can't break through it. And he's just banging on the door. He's like, <laughs> I'm sick. He's like, I'm sick. Mikey, Mikey. And then like, you just see the car coming and it's Ned Beatty yeah. <laughs> on the way. <laughs> Porky the Pig himself, and mm-hmm. he looks like him. I'm like, oh my god, here he is. And he just rolls up. And then the way it's shot, the way they do the shot from within the car, 
showing out to Cassavetes is amazing, and they do like the the cut to Ned Beatty like aiming the weapon, you know. Another so funny bit from that scene is that Ned Beatty's car can't park his car anywhere because he's <laughs> yes. away. I forgot so he has about to, that. Like, drive around in circles. <laughs> Dude, I forgot about that. Yeah. Al Peter Falk tells the big boss. I forgot his name. Uh, but um, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know he. He's like, it's an exclusive neighbor. <laughs> it's an yeah, exclusive it's neighbor. But you can't park your car. Like, you get it. We had an interview for this house. Yeah. And he's trying to explain it to the big boss that we Ned Baby doesn't go. And it's almost at that point, it's not even about Nikki. It's about mm-hmm. Peter Falk's life being up- upended by a revolving car going around the neighborhood. Yeah. You know? Wait! Let me in, Mikey! Mikey! Mikey, I'm sick! I don't know, like, yeah, I could see, like, Bottle Rocket in there. And, of course, like, After Hours and Good Time, you know. And yeah. Those type of movies. But this one's more grounded in humor, though. And it's, like, I think the movie's so dark, literally and figuratively, mm. that you kind of forget the humorous parts, you know. Like, like especially the watch scene. Like, when Cassavetes throws the watch yeah. and they have the brawl in the street. And I think Peter Falk, like, slips, too. Yeah, he does. And he, like, tries to punch when he slips. I want to know if that's improv, because that was... It felt like they were just, like, go fight. And mm-hmm. they were actually fighting, you know. And like, the way he slips and falls and... Oh, behind-the-scenes factoid about this movie is that Elaine May shot a million and a half feet of film. Jeez. Yeah, and that's a big part of why they went over budget schedule yeah so they would just keep shooting just to get those organic natural reactions out of Peter Falk and yeah I would like to see like the outtakes and like yeah stuff that they had to cut out because it just feels like they could have done like a trilogy of these movies they mm. could have done like a prequel of like of these two characters because that's how good they are mm. and another character I want to go back to is uh, Carol Grace mm. that scene Ooh, let's talk about that scene where Cassavetes like forces himself onto her on her couch. Yeah. Right. Forces in a way he's trying to sort of emasculate Peter Falk by making yeah. him watch. Making him, him watch. It's such room. a weird scene because like you the way it's framed is like, you know, you have the white shot, the master, and then you have the couch, Cassavetes, and in the back, um, you have Peter Falk, who's like dimly lit. The rest of the scene is dark. There's like a, a little light, you know, lighting uh, Cassavetes and Carol Grace. And just the way that scene is shot, though, it's very disturbing. Yeah, Peter Falk has to eventually find his way back into the kitchen. And you have him like in a perfect rectangular frame. Yeah. While you'll just hear Cassavetes and his yeah. girlfriend sort of like have sex over there. Yeah. And it's not even like, it's not like anything to do with making love, you know, it's just very transactionary yeah the way it's framed the the perfect square there's another shot where it's a perfect square and it's during the last scene between peter falk and his wife Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a painting you know there's lots of blues and purples but the way that everything's framed in that scene between cassavetes and carol grace is so like haunting and she has to hear those words before uh he uh attempts to make love to her and she's like tell me you love me nikki tell me you love me (laughs) And I was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, and like, my God. She, she tries to tell him. She tries to talk about the news and like what book she's reading. Indochina? Yeah, Indochina. Concerned about Indochina? But Cassavetes doesn't care. He, he doesn't, doesn't care. care. He's a selfish, like, he's so evil. 
and the codependent relationship between like Peter Falk and Cassavetes. Mm. It's almost like a like brothers, you know. Like I grew Definitely, up, with, like yeah. I grew up with brothers, and it's just like if they're crazy, you have to put up with their stuff for an amount of time until you explode. Of course, <laughs> we'll save that for later. All right, buddy. No, but um, the codependent relationship between them and how it drags out throughout this movie, especially in, in that sex scene, how sad it is, you know. And then after they get done making love. Right, mm-hmm. it's almost like watching like uh, I had to actually step away from the like I had to do something else for a second. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie because I felt that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Those scenes always make me squirm when somebody's like being like just doing something against their will, like like having sex, like irreversible. Oh jeez, oh, yeah. it's ugh, I can't. It's hard. It's very tough, you know. The it gets worse though because then Cassavetes tries to convince. Oh, that you I can know. also get with his girlfriend. It's so weird. I just want a little kiss. Mikey, please. Mikey. Mikey, please. Every time I see someone getting slapped, specifically a lady in a movie from back then, I'm there's just so many slap scenes yeah. from back then. Like, if you ever watch, like, old noir movies or old drama movies, the way they would settle the argument is, like, the guy would just whack them, you know? And it's so sad, that scene. Yeah. And we, like, like to think that we live in a less misogynistic world, but I don't think it's any different now, do you think? Unless... Because people, like, don't want to show it anymore. We have cameras and social media, so we're, you know... I mean, yeah, in a way, but what I'm saying is, like, in mainstream film... Yeah. Less... we don't see that anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's because there's less domestic violence. No, it's, no, it's just against because women. I think people are more, I guess, aware, and they don't want to see it. They yeah, know it's true, but they don't want to see, see it. it. Yeah, but I think it's sort of a dishonest in a way. No, I, I agree. I think you should show um, people hitting each other in a relationship because these things happen, and if people see it, they go, "Oh man, that's uh, I want to be involved in something like that." Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of mainstream action movies are more violent towards women, yeah. but it's in a way that's bloodless and emotionless. Specifically, like violence now in movies has changed too. Yeah, like, it, there was so it's much gun sanitized. violence, and you know, like I don't know. Nowadays, with violence, it's like you hit somebody in the head three times, and their head explodes on the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is relentless punching, sure, yeah. and like <laughs> you know. And, like, Good Time was kind of like that, like the opening scene where he's in Rikers. and, um, But yeah, like Peter Falk, the way he winds up and just slaps her, and like it's so sad, and like she starts to cry, and she's like, get out of my house. And what is she, like a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Cause, it's only tangentially connected to their world. Right, yeah. It's so sad, because like, you find out then that she's being like passed around. And like Cassavetes feels betrayed by this for some reason. Yeah, no, he's just doing that because he want he knows how to control. Yeah, her. he knows how to talk to her. Yeah, to get what he wants. He's like manipulating her. Yeah, he's a very manipulative guy to everyone. It almost him. feels like she's way too smart to be in that position, but she's just somehow. Yeah, you can tell she's up. lonely though. She's very lonely. Yeah. She's like, tell me you love me, and I'm just like, oh god, she wants to be loved. Jesus, like yeah, yeah anybody. She's the best part of the movie in my opinion. One yeah. of the best parts, like that that her that whole character scene just reveals. <laughs> Who they are. Yeah. 
And she's almost like, as I mentioned earlier, like a knockoff Barbara Streisand. Like her, I don't see the resemblance, but she reminds me of Barbara Streisand, okay. except her nose is is much smaller and her face is, I think, a little prettier. She just <laughs> carries herself so defeated, and like you can see the scars in her face and like her skin. By the way, everyone's skin in 1973 or whenever <laughs> this was made was really bad. Nothing beyond more than that's the way it's shot. The way it's shot, lots of greens. Yeah, you know, I mean, lots, lots of shadows, lots of hard shadows, sort of blacks, blacks, yeah. I mean, they weren't trying to be... I mean, you can see bad of them, like... During that same time period, there was movies where the people looked beautiful. <laughs> they were beautifully lit with perfect makeup. That is true, yeah, they were... They were it's just, I think, it's part of shot, yeah. Elaine May's approach to this, to this story. And beyond that, her yeah. direction is striving to be invisible. Yeah. Some scenes that stick out in terms of like cinematography that were just you looking at you're like, oh man, this looks great. Uh, the sex scene, obviously, the bar scene, staring at the clock, and then that final scene, uh, dusk in the morning. Sun's you know, coming up. Yeah. He, you know, him and his wife are talking, and Peter Falk. They have that intimate moment in his wife where he goes like, "Do you like when I talk about my childhood stories?" And it feels like they're almost connected, like. They're almost reconnecting in some way. Because their relationship is very, like... You can feel the love there. Mm-hmm. And you can feel, like, Peter Falk is willing to give up Nikki to hold on to that type of life with his, like, wife and children. Well, I envy him. Wish I'd known your father. He wouldn't like them. He was a very sour man. And he didn't like any of the women in the family. But it liked Nick. I don't know. I think just Cassavetes in general. I think when I think when Cassavetes is on the run mm. from Peter Falk and Ned Beatty, and they and Ned Beatty and Peter Falk like run down a character, that's not Cassavetes. They're like just looking everywhere for him. Oh, yeah, some random guy. Is that him? Is yeah. that Beatty's? Like, is that him? Is they that like him? they always run the guy down. He like rolls down yeah. into the street, and they're like, oh no, it's not, it's not him. And it's really funny. It's like almost like two bad cops. Yeah. And they're like trying to find the bad guy. But I don't know. The way they interact in the cars, is that him? No. You sure that's not him? You know, it's just nobody's sure of anything. It's almost like a confederacy of dunces. I don't know how to describe it. Like, just like, they're supposed to be these menacing characters, but yeah. they're not like, I don't know. The humor in it's very like revealing. <clears throat> All right, Nick, any final thoughts? Anything on your mind about anything else in the world? Good time! This, this movie brings back good time for me and yeah. after hours, but good time. I can see the Softie brothers. I can see why they love this movie um, because it feels like good time is pretty much the basis. Like, Mikey and Nikki is the basis of good time, that brother relationship. Yeah. You know, going also, into the night. a lot of their movies, Day Long Legs, yeah. Heaven Knows What, you know, Cut Gems. That very gritty New York feel. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I almost wanted to see more of this movie, but I like the way it ends too. Yeah, it's very seventies. The way it ends, it's just like, let me in. I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> and then it just cuts to credits. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, well, I guess he died. died. I guess. Yeah. Oh, I always like that seventies the movies. They just they're just over. It's just, the way it should be. You're like looking around. You're like, I guess. That's it. I guess that's it. All right. I don't know what I learned, but I felt something. So anyway, to sum it up. Sum it up. Less pretty actors, please. Less pretty actors, real acting. Don't be afraid to write a story that doesn't have any arcs and doesn't have any, you know. Yeah, it's like no plot to this movie, really. 
That's the fine. way that you go with the flow. Write it in a screenwriting book. Yeah, I didn't like that. I love it. A little bit. Did she do do anything else lately? Well, she did a lot of things. Yeah, she was sort of like a script doctor. Before this, she had two movies, um, The Heartbreak Kid. That's right. Neil Simon wrote That's that. That's right. Day. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Before that, I forgot the name of her first movie, but she did Ishtar. Just didn't turn out so yeah. well, unfortunately. And but yeah, she she acted. She was on Broadway for a long time. I think she still acts. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah, like in terms of like making a movie like this, it's just really it's really cool to see. And I think and I hope people watch this one. Um, I don't know. It feels like I keep thinking like if this was made nowadays, this would probably just like win everything. <laughs> I think the audience for this kind of movie has always been small. It, yeah, a little small. And this would be directed more toward old people. They'd be like, I remember the 70s. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people just, like, bought. There would be a lot of, like, infighting. People would be like, well, technically the representation of the male population in this is not a very adequate. And, like, yeah. People would just, like, blow it up. There would be a lot of conversation that really had to do with the movie, but stuff outside of the yeah. movie. What other movies does this bring to mind? Uh, okay. Well, besides other John Cassavetes movies, Husbands... Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Faces. Faces, I kept thinking Shadows. About faces. Shadows, so good. Um, what's that one? General ones? Opening Night? Nervous Breakdown. Uh, Woman on the Verge. Is, is that what it is? Yes. Or, or Woman Under the Influence? Woman Under the Influence, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Air Fox also in that one. Yes. Bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> He's so amazing, that He's face. great. <laughs> that's what I want. Take your pretty actors. You almost had that pretty. like James Conn look, almost like James Conn. Sure. So, yeah, he's sort of like a James Cagney, but like an actual James Cagney. Man, those guys—they're—the the men nowadays. There's just no way. Like, yeah. There's just we would never look like that. I don't know. We're going to in twenty years. You think so? These have been some hard oh, times. Oh, jeez. All right. Well. All right. I did. Final thoughts. What do you What do you think? I love this movie. Perfect. A masterpiece. Yeah. Made by a true artist. Yeah. Check out the Criterion edition of it. Yeah. I picked it up and was looking at the cover and I was like, this is what, like the DVD, like the extras and like the commentaries on mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, this is what should be in a DVD. The amount of like special features and behind the scenes stuff is amazing for this movie. But, <clears throat> but anyway. Check it out, please. Yeah, check it out. Like 70s dark. Yeah. Plotless movie. If there's any movies it's close to this. Let us know. Um, we'll check them out. We'll review them. Have any recommendations that are similar to Mikey and Nikki? Let us know. Let us know what you think about pretty actors, their place in cinema. Yeah. Stuff like that. And what's the email for us? What is it? It's movies are dead. See at the bottom of the screen at gmail.com. Gmail.com. But yeah. Oh, Gmail. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Movies Are Dead. Dead. dead.